Hello. We are uh, the Martin Webbers. We are um, we're all human here, and this is our uh, live stream slash podcast about uh, relationships and kind of our take on uh well um life life family. yeah right, exactly so uh, i'm jeremy uh this is jessica and over hey there, there is lavinia Hi. um jessica and i have been partnered for 23 years mm -hmm. um we have seven children and lavinia is one of them i've been their daughter for 18 years no <laughs> she's now our, both our daughter and an adult yes i've only been their adult for not even a year yet right yeah well yeah. you that was march and so the measure of success that we'll be talking about today in a relationship is uh, do the people that you care about feel comfortable talking to you about all kinds of stuff? <laughs> so in particular, um, as a teenager, still, because you're in a weird stage right now, still being a teen, but also being an adult. It's the worst also, stage. It, it's just, it, Forget it's your awkward middle school stage. Um, this sucks. The awkward and young adult stage. I remember being that... In that age, actually, to some extent, I still am, although I'm not a teen anymore. Um, and and it is, you know, as 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 also your parent and someone who cares deeply about you, I it is very important to, to me that we are able to discuss just kind of everything, um, right. as as good friends do. Right. Um, and so the the question is, yeah, how do you how do you keep your um, future teenager or present teenager from uh, running away from you screaming when you ask them how their day went um, or pull them out of their device uh, when you do the same mm -hmm. um, and actually have really open and healthy lines of communication with them. This is kind of along the lines of what we discussed about a month ago, a month ago with a guest, Emily Cohen. We were talking right. about creating a safe space for people to come out, whatever it may be that they would have to come out about. But this goes a little, a lot deeper into, uh, instead of talking just about creating a safe space for people to come out of who they truly are, this is about how to make it easier for the people in your life, particularly we're sharing as parents and relating with kids, um, our own children, how to make it easier for those people, our children, and then eventually teens in particular, because teens do, there's this stereotype that teens don't open up, don't want to talk to their parents. So how to make it easier for them to come to you and talk. But I find that this is, it all applies with working with uh, having employees, uh, with having friends, with having extended family, and our marriage too, sure. our, our partnership. Right. So it's they're the same values, the same, mm -hmm. the same concepts. What were you gonna say, Lavinia? Um, I do want to comment on the fact that it's like it's a stereotype that um, teenagers don't want to talk to you and they just want to be on their phones. But in a way, the stereotype has become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Agreed. Because we yes. approach, because we'll approach teenagers. Um, I say we. I mean, yeah, I do too. As a teenager, like you'll approach teenagers thinking already feeling like you know how it's going to happen. Right. right. And they can tune into that, you know? Right, right. It's like when someone talks to you like you're stupid, and you're like, well, then I just don't want to talk to you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so in a way, the stereotype becomes true because we go into it thinking that it's going to happen. That makes a lot of sense. I think, well, and, and you know, just as you, you said, like, they know you already think that. So yeah. if you already think that... If you already think that the person you're going to talk to is going to react a certain way, and that person that you're going to talk to thinks, oh, well, they already think they know how I'm going to react. Like, it just shuts down the lines of communication yep. before you even get started. Yep. And we, we have a horrible habit in this 
in our society of dismissing teens as being lazy, as being stupid, as being uh, unaware, mm. uh, you know, all of these things. And mm. yet, I, in our experience, teens are some of the most tuned in, aware, caring human beings we've met. And they're still young enough that often they're they're optimistic and they can see potential where we've already shut down because right. of those self-fulfilling type And we'll, we'll have these conversations within our own circles, mm -hmm. but when it comes to talking to an adult, like I said, if they, if they already know that the adult's not really going to listen to them because they think that they won't they won't listen to them, right. then they're like, what's even the point of trying right. to talk to them about anything? And so then, exactly, then, then it's yeah, a circle. Like, mm -hmm. The teens, teens don't talk, they don't share anything, they don't even, so the assumption is then that teens don't care, when in fact they may very well care, they just assume you won't give them a chance. Right. So, all right, so how do you make it easier for kids, really all people, of all ages and all stages to open up and talk to you. How how do we do this? So we did. We made a whole list. We made a whole list. But one thing that wasn't on the list is one that already the Lavinia already brought up, which is like your mindset needs to be such that you think it's even possible. Right. And I think for us, where we we um, maybe it predates us a little bit, but um, I do believe that um, our when we were first married and we were both teaching private music lessons mm -hmm. when we had one child under the age of two. Um, and uh, we'd have this stream of middle schoolers and teenagers come through our doors and we would, yep. you know, we'd get, you know, I'd be teaching them piano, you'd be teaching them voice lessons. And especially for you with the voice lessons, it was a very, like, there's a, a degree of intimacy. Oh yeah, um, working with somebody's body. In, right, because you're yeah. dealing with their bodies and and you know posture and and stuff and before we knew it we had these open lines of communication with all of these teenagers that would talk to us i mean given enough time they would talk to us about all kinds of stuff oh yeah and i think that really opened our eyes to wow okay well these teenagers are really bright people they're some of our favorite people that we know <laughs> um because they're so smart and they're so passionate and um and they haven't lost hope in humanity <laughs> yeah. um and and so we thought, well, so this this idea that our future teenagers and us are going to have this broken relationship and we're doomed to have it was something that we were willing to throw out the window and be like, no, nope, right. if we can do it with these kids that we're not connected to other than through music lessons, we can definitely do it with our own kids. Well, and we didn't really have something to base it on. Uh, my my family, uh, as for me as a teen, for me as a child, I felt very much this... Uh, imbalance. I was the child and therefore as the child I was inherently just stupid. <laughs> um, and mm. I don't believe my parents would say that's what they felt or that's what they believed but it is what was communicated in various ways of how they interacted with us. And so you, and for you something similar. You didn't yeah. ha have that um, and we weren't entirely sure how to create this because we hadn't lived or experienced it. It's been a lot of trial and error. Okay, so again, something that's not in there, can we talk about the inherent prejudices that are built into our society based on people's maturity level? Yes. Oh my goodness. You know, and we look down on people. We, have a, we were just dealing with this with our nine-year-old and do. our seven-year-old. We do. We remind our children probably once or twice a week a about how, <laughs> no, well, like, are you, like, you're really irritated with your sister. You're nine. She's seven. Or whatever the right. ages may be. Is the seven-year-old acting her age? Absolutely. Are you acting your age? Hmm. Debatable. <laughs> uh, 
and, and and we hold it against them that they're acting annoying or whatever when they're just acting their the age. age and and helping to have realistic expectations of development mm -hmm. and that development doesn't end when you turn 21 you are still developing oh yeah neurologically you've written a paper on this yes and so how long into life are we developing? Well, it depends on the person, but isn't like the average like 25? Well, it goes way beyond that. It's into their 60s that you, they're still brain growth. Well, I didn't happening. write a paper about that. <laughs> how, okay, how about this? For how long in our lives are we capable of learning new things? Until you Forever. die, right? Okay. Forever. Right. And so Though we some are... of our relatives would like to think that's not true. <laughs> well, well, I'm old. I'm done learning. Some people get stuck in their ways, possibly. Um, but it doesn't mean they don't have the capacity to change right, because we right. do. Um, and anytime you pick up a book or you watch a new movie or, you know, start, start viewing a new series on TV or whatever, you're, you're taking in new information and you're processing it, mm -hmm. whether you realize right. it or not. So we're constantly changing. It's just that we have these, these, um, these kind of steps or ways to measure their progress when they're much younger. Where you're like, the two-year-old's supposed to be able to do this by now, and by mm -hmm. nine years old, you should definitely be reading this level, and, right. and all and this so, stuff. And we stop measuring after a certain age. Yeah, we do. But it's still happening. But we're all always changing. Right. And and the thing, to take us back to what we're really, the, our topic today, um, <laughs> one of, one of the, the thing that's important for us all to remember is that either we have been that age and at that stage of development, mm. or we are hopefully getting to that age and that stage of development. Respect is required and appropriate and deserved all the way across the board. You communicate with a one-year-old as respectfully as you communicate with a 70-year-old. There is respect all the way across the board, everything in between. And it's important because it, without that respect, everything else begins to crumble and fall apart. Mm. If you are communicating from a place of, I believe I'm better than you. I believe you are less than me, which is what believing you're better than somebody is. You believe somebody's less than you. If you are communicating from a place of believing that somebody is less than you, then there is no respect and lines of communication will be blocked. I mean, to first, I mean, this, this whole saying, like, it, it's very true to first, um, to earn respect, you have to first give respect. Right. Right. Like, I'm not going to respect you if you're going to talk to me. Right. Like... I'm dumb or less than you mm -hmm. like no then you lost my respect I mean that's that's how it would work for you if you think about it if you're like no I won't give respect because I'm older and I'm more right or I'm the authority in this relationship well then think about it vice versa if your boss talked to you that way do they have your respect no you may still have to listen to them because they're your boss but they don't have your respect and just Okay. Yeah. So the question is, is that the kind of relationship that you want to have with your teenager? Oh, right. Is one where you're the boss and the teenager is your employee and you have to do what I say because I'm the boss. I think a lot of parents do right. want that relationship. Right. But if you also want open lines of communication and you want your teenager to come to you and feel safe um, telling you about their crush or about their first sexual experience or about having their period for the first time. Or about or, needing to head to therapy. Or, or that's about, right. You know, or about bullying at school or about any depression, number. Depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. yep. struggling Substance with abuse, anything like that, then I'm sorry, they're less likely to come to you Absolutely. as right. their boss Yep. than as as a trusted friend. Yep. Well, like literally so you're going to have to choose. But everybody's going to tell you that you can't be friends with your kids. That they they get to have friends with other people. So you can't be friends with your kids. If you're if you're friends with your kids, you're not yeah. doing their your job as a parent. Well, I feel like I'm friends with Lavinia. <laughs> <laughs> that smile wasn't awkward at all. <laughs> no, 
I feel like we're friends. We are friends. <laughs> but are we also your parents? Like, yeah. Yeah. You are. Um, I think we have found, it has felt to me that we have found, uh, kind of accidentally stumbled across a way where that both are true. We right. are, we, mm. especially now that you're 18, we are not in the position of, hey, we are actively parenting you. We are your parents. We provide right. guidance, but you're an adult and we have to respect And there that. are moments where you're like, this is my house and you're not going to do that in my house. Yes, that is true. <laughs> and that's not more, like... It may feel like a parenting thing for me, but this is... You would say that to anybody who, if you who were in, in here. Right, if you were sharing a space or a house with roommates and you were all about the same age... You'd have to And someone would decided, you know what, I don't have to hold a job anymore, and also I don't have to contribute to uh, paying the bills or whatever. Like, there would be a conversation there right. from the right. others. Or like one we recently had where you guys are actually paying the bills for my phone, and you're like, that's all you're doing every day. Get a life. <laughs> and that's not quite how we approached it. That was the underlying message, maybe. Um, and it's like, that's, it's apparent, like you guys are paying for it because you are my parents, but it's less, again, it's less of a, we are your parenting thing, Yeah. but... Um, you're, we are your parenting. Yeah, anyway, you know. it's it's um <laughs> we're paying for this, and so we kind of have we get to set up the guidelines of the thing that we're paying. Well, for. that there's a boundary, and we have a responsibility for enforcing that boundary. And and if you want to continue in the way you are, that's your choice. But we will be no longer paying for it. Right. It's we, like it's like um an, an extreme analogy, but right. it's like um for someone maybe who's struggling with like addiction problems. Um, I mean, I guess it's not that extreme because some people do struggle with phone addiction. Yes, absolutely. Um, you wouldn't want to like, hand them the substance right. that they're struggling with. You'd, you'd be like, no, I'm not enabling There that. was a, many years ago, there was a situation where a relative was coming to visit us. Uh, somebody that we know has a problem with alcohol dependency. And we made a decision that they could not, we would not have any alcohol in our house while they were visiting. Oh, shoot. And they came and then they picked up some alcohol. They went, they wanted to go to the... They said they were going to go to the grocery store. We didn't have some food that they wanted, so they went to the grocery store. I knew. I knew. I knew what was going to happen. I didn't. I totally knew. <laughs> and and they went to the grocery store, and they came back with alcohol. And we, we had already communicated that there wouldn't be any alcohol. And we held that boundary. And we're not their parents. We are in no way, shape, or form. Did you tell them to leave? The, we told them that either they could have their alcohol and go to a hotel or someplace else to stay, but that as long as they were staying in our home and as long as they were visiting with us in our home, there would not be alcohol. What they do? Period. There was, it was dramatic. <laughs> Did they go to a hotel? Um, no. Mm -hmm. In the end, we, um, we took the alcohol and um, stuck it in a closet and, uh, but they had already taken some out. So there was a, a very, um, it was not comfortable. And the way it ended was they had drunk some, they had consumed some, and, uh, we informed them that they would not be welcome in our home again. And if they could not respect this boundary, they have not been back in our home since then. This was a very long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, it, it, I share that because it was one of those situations where we aren't their parents, but the boundaries still need to be held firmly right. and lovingly what? in place. We can talk about it later. We can, we can talk about it later. <laughs> All right. So how do we make it easier for yes. you, your kids or really anyone of any age and stage to talk to you? Yes, even teens. So our first point that we really want to make, and we are way into the show to be starting through our list. We should have started this like 20 minutes ago. Well, some of, these, touched on. some of these will go with very little commentary. Yeah. But the very first one, I think this is really 
incredibly important to say, it is never too late to start making changes that will open the lines of communication, but it is easier the younger you start when it comes to your kids, um, in part because it gives you more time to practice. <laughs> right. And, well, because and you want to establish habits, you want to establish right. a culture or a, you know, an environment right. where those open line, those communication lines are open. And so, yes, if you start at an early age, then they're used to it from an early age, yeah. where if you're trying to establish something new later on, there's more resistance. It's harder to change. It is. It's much harder to change. <laughs> and these things take time. And the, the important thing to realize is it's it's not only your kids that are going to have to learn, it's you. Oh my gosh, so much. In fact, it's more you that has to learn than your kids. Your kids are going to learn faster than you are. And your kids are going to adjust and adapt faster than you are. Your old brain, on the other hand, is going to have a much harder time with this. And that's okay. And it's never too late to start. In fact, we have a family member who uh, was well into her 60s when she opened up about something and shared that she wanted to open those lines of communication and try. And it's it's hard for them. It's not something that flows easily for them. But they made the effort. And, and well into their 60s, that shift has, it started. And it's, even though it's not perfect, nothing's ever, ever is, I mean so much that she acknowledged that the lines of communication were blocked mm -hmm. and that there were things that she wanted to change and she asked for help with the people that she loves in making that change happen. Yeah. So, so much goes on in your own home and you don't realize it. <laughs> that wasn't in our home. Another <laughs> story that I, I know that was, that was a little dramatic, but... But it's never too late to start making those changes. Right. So don't despair if as we go through this list, you say, oh my gosh, but my kids are already 30 um, or my kids are already 12 or my kids five or whatever it is and you think that it's too late or that we've been married for 17 years and so it must be too late to make these changes. It is not never too late it is always possible well, it's to better to it's better to start and that and that person say well now they're trying instead right. of never never trying and be like well they never tried to right. talk uh, yeah that's and true it may take time it will definitely it will take time sorry change always takes time always takes time and you have behavior patterns and communication patterns and triggers that you're going to have to work through and identify yeah. and work to change. And that's not going to happen quickly. And the process is going to be something that takes a lot of intentionality. Yes. Okay. Two. Go ahead. Treat them like people. Everybody wants to be treated, I think, well and fairly and with respect and kindness and love. Well, your children are no different. And also, we're no different. I think we react as parents when our kids are treating us with disrespect or unkindly or unlovingly. Un, uh, inhumanely? And um, that that street needs to go both ways, right? right? Do you mean to say that we're all human here? Oh, but oh. I really do like wow. that name. <laughs> we had actually a situation this morning, just just this morning with two of our children where one of them was speaking to another in a very condescending way. Uh, it was about, uh, we have, um, we have some baby gates that, that block off certain areas of the house to keep the toddler and, and the dogs, dogs uh, in the, out of certain areas. And one of the gates actually, it turned out that all three of the gates in the house were left open at the same time but one was if they were all done by different people there were three uh -huh. i was a guilty party you were a guilty party and one of our children was a guilty party and it was uh, one of the 
the siblings saw the gate and and basically flipped out at her sister about Dang. it and very condescending and just it was not a loving kind or respectful way to speak to anyone and you called her out on it by saying well this gate's open and mommy did it start yelling at her too <laughs> and she was she looked at me and she was like mommy you should have closed the gate and it was a much different tone and I was uh -huh. like that was not how you spoke to your sister just now go ahead lay it on me yell at me and she immediately turned around and said to her sister I'm sorry I spoke to you <laughs> the way I spoke to you I should not have yelled at you I was very unkind and just as she said that you pointed out and here's another gate and I think I left it open and it was it was a moment of just kind of highlighting how uncomfortable it was to identify that she was totally fine speaking to her sister that way mm -hmm. but she did not feel comfortable speaking to me that way and then you followed it up you, what did I say? You, I don't remember exactly. Oh my well, gosh. I remember saying something. I just don't remember exactly how I said it. So, so you followed it up by saying, you, you came out and you said, you apologized to her. You said, I'm sorry, because I did speak to you telling you that the other gates were open and who to yell at then in a way that I probably wouldn't have spoken to mommy. So I was oh, wrong. I did. And you yeah. apologized for it and you identified it. Yeah. So, and but I pointed out that we do try to speak to everyone in the family with the same level of right. respect and kindness yes and and that's huge that's really incredibly important but it's a work in progress we are not perfect at this we are so incredibly not perfect at this i mean a, a good example of i mean that situation i mean that was like a really specific that uh -huh. was but um this happens uh not like pretty often and that's not like often but it does happen enough where i remember it or someone will get frustrated by something, and they'll be like, who, la, 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 who did that? We're not supposed to do that. And then one of you guys will be like, actually, I think it was me, or actually, I think it was the other parent. And mm -hmm. immediately it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> because for some reason, there's this understanding of we're not going to yell at mommy and daddy. But we right. are okay yelling at each other. And that's where that that breakdown of treating treat them like people first. Right. Nobody wants to be yelled at. That's, it's... It's not a comfortable thing. It's violent. It feels violent. Mm. Even though it's not physical violence, it's an emotional and mental violence. And while I certainly understand, I've definitely yelled many, many times, I, I also understand that it, that violence, that emotional and mental violence, leads to a disconnection in the relationship and a breakdown in communication. Even if you mm. yell gently at somebody. Which is recently <laughs> something uh, our daughter is writing a story, and uh, it's... It's based on a real event that happened, but it's fictionalized. Mm -hmm. And she, in writing it, she was writing the mother character who was sort of loosely based on me, um, <laughs> which is kind of interesting to read how your child sort of sees you. But she needed the mother to be more uh, uptight and more, more something. So she, before she even gave it to me to read for the first time, she prefaced it with, it's not actually you, <laughs> but an aunt had read it first. An aunt had read it when they were visiting. Oh, shoot. And, 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 um, and told us that it, it laughed, thought it was so funny, uh -huh. because the mother character yelled gently. And, <laughs> and she, was, she thought that was so funny because those two things don't really go together in her mind. But it was clear that what our daughter was writing was that the mother was frustrated and losing her patience with the child. And that was communicated in her tone. And so to our daughter, that means it was yelling. But it was gentle because it wasn't actually yelling. And we, 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 
we have been very amused by how she understands yes. this. Okay, so our first point is it's never too late to start making changes. Mm -hmm. It is easier the younger you start, but you can always get started. Our second point is treat them like people. They are children are people too. You're your employees are people too. Your friends are people too. Your partner is a person too. Treat them like people first. If this is not how you would speak to a colleague, if it's not how you would speak to your partner, uh, or even if it is, and that's maybe something that needs to be addressed, mm -hmm. if it's not how you'd speak to a stranger. Um, or if it's not how you want to be spoken to. Exactly. Then you, then you already need to address and redo and back mm -hmm. backtrack. You might just need to say, you know what, I'm sorry. My tone was not okay. I apologize for that. I want to do better. Uh, that's one of the first things you can do and helping build uh, pathways that are healthy communication. All right. Point three. Spend time together in ways that aren't about communication. So okay, like, such as? I was about to say. Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, cooking, car rides, taking public transportation places, which is like a really good like yeah, place to like have conversation. Um, We're really lucky that we live someplace that does that's have true. a yeah. good public transportation. But like like errands in general right. and, and like maybe like watching a movie and then talking about it mm -hmm. afterwards or like playing games or talking about a book you read, though kids don't read books these days or what like... No. <laughs> that was... An exaggeration. The self-fulfilling prophecy. Prop 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 <laughs> problems. <laughs> yes, issues. Um, a book you read or a game that you guys can connect on or mm. an app or social media or something that's happening in the news. Like, literally anything that's not about this is how we talk to each other. Like, right. 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 Respectful people. Right. Um, I love that you mentioned on an app or technology uh, because I think that's really important to say that find the avenues that are going to help make it more comfortable, especially as you're getting started. And if the person you're trying to open these communication pathways with is more comfortable doing so over text, then, then work on doing so over text. Right. And, and try different strategies. Car rides are one of my favorites, uh, especially with our teens. It spares you the uncomfortable eye contact thing, hmm. uh, which some people really love eye contact and some people don't, but it's real. It's much easier to open up and say this big burden thing that maybe you're struggling with if you don't have to maintain eye contact while mm -hmm. doing so. Mm -hmm. And cars, I'm, I'm driving my, my focuses out on the road. And so it really is one of my favorite places. But yeah, grocery shopping, yeah. a trip to Costco is amazing for learning about our kids' psyche. <laughs> <laughs> Not only all the things they want, but just what they're thinking. As long as the intention is to enjoy spending the time together. If you're yeah, going right. to go to Costco and you're going to be stressed out the whole time, that's not, not. good uh, you know, building, yeah. relationship building there. Well, and it's more of a one-on-one -on -one kind of thing. If you are taking all of the kids, then you're probably going to mm -hmm. have less open communication than if you're taking one of the kids. That's Maybe so. folding laundry together. Folding laundry is a great one. Such a mindless task, and once again, you don't have to maintain eye contact mm -hmm. because you're folding laundry. And one of the things that you and I have enjoyed more recently has been listening to podcasts of comedians. Um, and, and John Mulaney! <laughs> John Mulaney. <laughs> 
second time he's kind of because that's who I will listen to. Yes. I'll turn on John Mulaney while I cook. And it leads to we'll conversation. Yeah. yeah, we'll listen together. You're cooking. I'm working or folding laundry or whatever, and it leads to conversation. Or we're cooking together, and mm-hmm. it opens up conversation. You know, at first we're just reacting and we're laughing and we're you know, laughter is such a great way to tear down barriers. Mm-hmm. So we're able to share that together, and then sometimes I'll we'll we'll hit pause and we'll be like, but wait a second, okay, that was funny, but also. What do you think of this? Or mm-hmm. we've we've actually we've called out some problematic material that, that yeah. he has had, and we've ended up discussing it. And yeah. I've learned a lot about what you think of it. You've learned a lot about what I think of it, and it really just makes it. It's kind of a lubricant <laughs> to make it easy to talk. Okay. Relational lubricant. Relational. <laughs> I like right. it. I want that on a t-shirt. Okay. Uh, right. next... These. Uh, are in no particular order Zero because order. you know relationships are messy and apparently so is our list. So is how we organize. So we like touch them too. Uh, okay, another. We uh, skipped point number three. We have, actually, yeah, yeah, you skipped number three. It doesn't matter. <laughs> another one of our our tips Oops. is Bye. to use prompts. Use prompts such as like the podcast. Uh, but sometimes you can get. We have a book that is uh, questions to ask or you know just yeah like hundred conversation starters yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Uh, and using prompts like that can help if it's already if it's not something you're particularly comfortable doing yourself maybe you didn't grow up with this maybe uh you're an introvert and you find that just starting communication can be tough or or maybe you are like hey i really want this to happen but we don't have any history of doing this together and i need a little bit of support using prompts is a really helpful way i tend to do this kind of naturally i was reading an article the other day that's the one that my yep. family oh my gosh it's what she <laughs> says all the time. She'll also article. text the article to everybody oh and be like, let's talk about this. In the group chat. <laughs> is that a problem? No. No, I think it's awesome. <laughs> it's just become kind of a, you know, this is what mommy does. This is what mommy does. I totally, I do that all the time. And I and I do it with my friends that I'm really close to. If I'm sending you articles, I consider you somebody I want to, I want to know what you're thinking uh, about things. I want to hear uh, your processes. I want to know when you this don't, about you. When you don't read it the next time she talks to you. I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she sends her article in the group chat and then you hang out with her and she's like, did you read the article? And I'm like, not yet. Uh, I read some of it and she's like, well, you have to read it. <laughs> and then I go into it anyway. Uh, <laughs> let me just summarize for you. <laughs> Which then I still want you to read it. But yes, <laughs> using prompts can be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so our next point. Uh, use the settings available and speak their language. And we kind of already touched mm-hmm, on yeah. this with the whole, like, if you're, if your kid, um, likes to hang out on their phone a whole lot, um, yeah. then connect with them over the phone. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Watch, watching videos together, if that's what they're really into. If they're, if they really love watching videos, we have a friend whose uh, teen daughter loves to watch cooking videos, food videos. Oh, yeah. oh, and and if you uh, if, one of the ways they can connect is to watch those together and then talk about them. Right. And it may seem like a really surfacey thing, which we're going to get into, but but having the sharing their interest and investing in it really helps, which leads us to our next point. Ask your kids to teach you. Okay, so you learned at some point in time that I I listened to you talk about Minecraft when you were about... <sighs> when I loved Minecraft. When you loved Minecraft. <laughs> so you were like 11, 12. No, I got it when we moved here. So I was like 13, 14. Oh, 12, 13, 14. 
And and you... <laughs> I got it for my 13th birthday. <laughs> it was your 13th birthday? Yes. Okay. All right. Don't need to be quite so aggressive. So you're but barely okay. 13. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I and love Minecraft. Though I did watch Minecraft videos um, before oh, then. So before much. then. Yeah. I watched... Uh, Wow, those YouTubers. And I would, I would, <laughs> I hated it. And you were shocked to learn that I hated it. I like talked about it for years. Yes. And then you were like, I, I, and, and I don't know how it got brought up, but you were like, I actually, no, I don't actually care about it. And I think it's because I asked you or something. Yeah. Well, I, I believe it started with one of your sisters started getting into it and was doing the same thing. And you mentioned something like, I already know all this. And you were kind of irritated with them. Uh, and, and then I was like, um, it's important to her. We can take some time to listen to this. And you kind of had this moment where you were like, wait a minute. Uh. <laughs> and you asked me. You, you said something about you didn't really care because you already knew it. And I said, it's important to her and we can take some time to listen to this even if you don't care about it. And you paused and then you asked me, do you care about Minecraft? <laughs> and I was like, actually, no, I don't. But I sure choose to listen to it because it's important to you. And it was like, what? <laughs> I thought you liked Minecraft. I know you did. I didn't. I, I liked uh, how much you liked Minecraft. Yes. Very, I loved how much you liked Minecraft. <laughs> I loved how important it was to you. And you enjoyed it so much. But ask your kids to teach you. Yes. Uh, asking, well, it's, it's like, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's okay, go ahead. But I, I was the one who, who, who said You were right, this is your was. point, go ahead. This is my point. <laughs> so, <laughs> asking, um, this, the stuff that we've listed before, like spending time together in ways that aren't about communication, um, in so, so, some of those, your kids may not feel confident in those areas, right? Like cooking or or right. um, doing laundry or something. So, um, you, touching on a point that, or uh, touching on something that they they are confident in that they are that they love and they're passionate yes. about, will open so many doors because they feel like they're not out of their depth and they know right. what's happening and they know what's going on. So, asking your kids to teach you stuff that you don't know puts you on. It's an equalizer. Yeah. Yeah, because or you've you, always been the teacher. Mm -hmm. or it's a it's a it's a power dynamic reversal even. Yeah, where you have the power as the parent, but you're like, but no, you're going to teach me, so you're the teacher and yeah. I'm the student. Right. Yeah. Whatever. It build means. a house in Minecraft. That sounds like fun. I want to build a house with you guys. We, in Minecraft. We, I had Helena teach me how to build a house. In, That's in so Minecraft. much fun. Um, and then I know there was also I don't remember because I I don't get Minecraft, but there was a cave we were tunneling through, and and she had to teach me how to do that, and and I I did That's do so some of that fun. with her. And you, uh, Ophelia taught me Snapchat, and um, she tried to teach me Snapchat. <laughs> she did. Oh, bless. <laughs> I don't get it, <laughs> I deleted it the other day. Yeah. It was taking too much space on my phone. Um, yeah. Um, you taught me YouTube. Like, you, you've all... Okay, I was like, when I teach you. You've taught me YouTube. Um, very much so. And I don't know what kids are into these days, but like Fortnite, <laughs> whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. All of you taught me Whiskey, which I also did not enjoy oh I at forgot all, about but that I game. learned how to play Whiskey. boring. It's terribly boring. <laughs> but when you were younger, to be. you loved it. You guys taught us all kinds of video games. I mean, if you think about it, it's not, it's not even, like, like we said this, we talk about how this is a way to communicate with your teens, but we keep saying also just communicating in relationships in general yeah. because um as we're talking i realized that ways that i've communi communicated with my little sisters is 
kind of helping them or guiding them through video games that I've played before that right. they are now playing. Right, yeah. right. And they're like, Lavinia, we are not really sure how to do this, and I'll have to sit there, and I'm not going to give them the answer right away because... Yeah, part of the deal <laughs> is to, to learn how to do it. Right, but I will point out certain mm-hmm. things like, look around, look at that wall, what do you see? Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's a way that I've connected with them, and even still, like, vice versa, they like watching me play video games sometimes, mm-hmm. and that's a way for us to connect together. Right, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember that that was I remember that part of my childhood was watching you play video games. Zelda. I That's really funny. enjoyed I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. Okay, start with the small things even if listen even if it feels co- inconsequential. So for me that was mm. with Minecraft and a number of other things. Uh, but it was all Pokemon cards. Oh. Uh, silly bands. Silly bands. But Whoa. listen, <laughs> listen even if it feels inconsequential. And it starts with, I mean, just this morning, our youngest, our two-year-old, was was telling me about a rock. She, she says that word so crisp and clear. It's a rock. And she was holding it and wanting to show me. And it was pretty and all of the things. If you don't... If you aren't interested in the things that they find interesting when they are young, then it is going to be very difficult for them to open up and Mm. share the things that they find interesting when they are older. Same applies, though, at any age. One of the things we have done and committed to in our marriage, in our relationship, our partnership, is that what you find interesting is because it is something of importance to you. It has value to me, and I will take interest. It doesn't mean I have to share it all with you. It doesn't mean we have to love it. No, or even do it together. But it has inherent value because one of us finds value in it. Right. And so it's up to the other person to find value in it, too. And even if it's just to ask questions about it or mm-hmm. to uh, to spend some time watching them do it or, or whatever it may be, share it, invest in it. Mm-hmm. I, I know that in, there was a, a couple in my life growing up where it was very clear that the woman in the partnership... Uh, invested in the man's interest all the time. Mm -hmm. And she went to the games he was interested in, the sports he was interested in, went to all of those things. But he was never, ever willing to go to the orchestra, which she loved, Mm -hmm. the ballet, which she loved, to see films that she loved. All of those things where she had to find somebody else to do them with her. And what happened over time was she just kind of stopped doing them and and she missed it and it built resentment it built uh, separateness and isolation not sharing those interests they were things that were really important to her that she truly enjoyed and he absolutely refused to take part in and sharing those and it was so damaging to their relationship and it broke down lines of communication because she could never talk to him about it because he found it boring right and imagine being that self-absorbed yeah well yeah Uh, no i mean that can apply to not just that relationship though but yeah it's it applies to any relationship Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but take start with the small things listen even if it feels inconsequential let them share with you even if you find it boring find it interesting because it's interesting to them i i find that is one of the biggest ways to build connections because it opens you up to how they think and feel Right. right you don't have to love the same things but you can love that they love it sure yeah well we can if i if I listen a little bit to my seven-year-old talk about um, Sophia the First, then you know maybe by the time she's watching more grown-up films and stuff, then she'll share those with me too. Right. Same way when she shares about her um, relationship issues at school. Right. Um, if I'm if I'm listening and interested, 
then it's a lot more likely that she'll also open up to me about her relationship issues when she's 16 right. or 25. Right, and you validate them. So when she's right. saying there's this conflict and this hurt, and mm -hmm. instead of saying, it's really nothing, or girls your age all have right. drama, or does any kind of dismissive reaction to it, instead say, that sounds really hard. You're not offering a fix or a solution. You're just offering an, a validation of what mm -hmm. she's experiencing. And that makes it so you're a safe person to talk to. Right, right. about the, like, the trying to fix it or like mm -hmm. have a solution thing um that's one of our points oh really okay yeah. then we'll, we'll go back to that later okay uh so uh, <laughs> point number eight i'll go ahead and take this one too identify your triggers and work through them be curious and ask why you feel or are reacting a certain way i think it's well i know it's Brene brown who talks uh in rising strong one of her books uh that i really love about being curious about our feelings and and asking yourself, why am I reacting this way? Mm -hmm. And I find that I, I loved how she phrased that for me, in part because it was something I've already done but hadn't identified that, it, that that's what is sometimes a game changer in how I'm communicating, is, is to ask myself, why am I feel, acting this way? Why am I feeling this way? Uh, but being curious about your feelings when you are communicating with someone, so when somebody's opening up and sharing, and your reaction is, this is stupid, um, or I don't have the time for this, or oh my gosh, <laughs> or you're being disrespectful, or whatever it may be, or I'm, I'm so angry that you even said this to me, or how could you say this to me, or oh my gosh, they feel this way, it means I'm a failure. If we get curious about why we're reacting, it allows us to pause. And that pause in communication uh, gives us the chance to identify our triggers and work through them and doesn't block the communication. If we just react to them, which a lot of times when we're triggered, that's what we're going to do, so it's hard not to. You can get curious later and come back to the conversation, right. identifying the mistakes you made. Mm -hmm. But if you are curious about what you're feeling and why, you can start working through those triggers so that they become, uh, so they are no longer triggers and so that they are no longer barriers in your communication. So you've got to take the time. Uh, to identify your triggers. Talking about barriers, actually, um, I'm going to add another point. Uh, <laughs> and that is if you're going to truly open up lines of communication with anyone in your life, then you need to go ahead and communicate that there are no taboo subjects. Yeah. That you are willing to engage with them about um, anything. And 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 with your kids, then, um, it needs to be age appropriate. You're, you're not going to, right. you know. Um, but... But you can, actually, when they come to you with a question about this or that and the other, you can answer them honestly, um, age-appropriately, and um, and that will encourage them to ask you more questions later when they have more questions. Which I think, and we talked about this in our show with Emily Cohen uh, about a month ago, I think one of the things that's difficult to balance here is how you teach your values without also communicating then that if you have a question about mm -hmm. or so you are feeling something contrary to my values, that then your kids or the people in your life would not feel safe going to you about it. Uh, and that could be about anything. That could be about how you feel about divorce. That could be about how you feel about sex. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be about how you feel about LGBTQ. It could be how you feel about uh, business practices. You know, it could be any... Or sports team. Or, or, or <laughs> Oh my gosh, I like the Redskins and that's somehow going to be completely unacceptable. Right. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. Music um, taste. I mean, it could be anything. 
It could be anything. So making sure that how you are teaching your mm -hmm. values or your faith or which those are important to have and that is important to share with the people you care about, including your children. But how you are presenting them, if you are mm -hmm. presenting them in a, this is something we can talk about and we can explore versus this is right or wrong. And if you are wrong, you are wrong and you are going to hell right. and I cannot associate with you. If you are shutting those doors, then you are already putting barriers in place for communication that oh. will isolate. Right. And you're not even communicating love at that point. No, right? you're not. What you're communicating is, I will love you conditionally based right. on these things. Right. There was a time where I was told, if you ever come home pregnant, and the implication was that I would be disowned. And, Dang. and, um, you know, that things like that. And oh, there are still kids today who get told that if you ever come home or if you come home with the a partner, a, a date of XYZ mm. uh, race, then you will be disowned mm. um, or, or, race or gender or gender or whatever. Those and those barriers, those are barriers to communication that will absolutely isolate and, and disconnect. All right. So our next point Listen. <laughs> <laughs> and our next point. <laughs> Don't interrupt. Well, see, we said listen already. Yeah, well, there, okay. what is there to say? I was trying to figure out, and then, because you had it highlighted, I and did. I was I like, did. I sure, will I'll say add to it. it. I'll add to it. Listen to to understand. Right. Listen to get to know better. Rather yeah. than to respond. Rather to respond or correct or... Right. Or, you know, or anything else. Or find the teaching opportunity. <laughs> the, teaching the teachable moment. moment. Oh, that's it. Right. <laughs> find the teachable moment. Yeah, genuinely listen. Don't don't listen so for control. Listen right. to understand. Listen to get to know them better. Mm -hmm. And listen with an open mind. Um, and another tip, the, um, don't interrupt them. Don't, don't interrupt the person that you're listening to. Um, because then you're not listening. You're actually just figuring out what next to say. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way to shut me down while I am talking and opening up is to interrupt me. Mm -hmm. If you interrupt me, then that's it. Like, that's basically, like, strike the year out. <laughs> well, and I find there's a difference in interruption that is just a free-flowing conversation. And there's kind of give and take. Right. And there's some of that. And you kind of look out for each other. Versus I am sharing something big and heavy. Right. Or I have done something that I know is kind of complicated or terrible or mm -hmm. is a problem. Uh, if you, if you're interrupting in a more high tension experience, fights, conflict, right. uh, opening up and there's shame, any of those kinds of moments, interruption shuts down the conversation. Yeah. Yep. And it shuts down the person. So yeah, don't interrupt. That's yep. a big one in our house. All right, next, control your own reactions and feelings in response. Protect their feelings so they don't feel like they have to protect yours. So let's say your kid comes home and they're like, I stole this thing from this business and you are shocked. I am shocked. <laughs> yes, we're um, all shocked. <laughs> and what I want to respond with is yelling and how shutting you, them down. How could I taught like, you better? Right. And, right. and how, have you considered how it reflects on me as your parent? Yes. And, um, or, oh, yeah, make know, it about you. Yeah. You know, or, or whatever they may come home with, you know, whatever revelation they may mm -hmm. have. Um, if you are, if your impulse is to react negatively and want to yell and want to shame and want to, um, any of those things, or just express like how, uh, appalled you are, mm -hmm. um, uh, you, 
you need to keep that in check. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, so this one is a really important one that we had to learn at a very difficult time in mm -hmm. our lives. Um, when, when you and your older sister uh, were sexually assaulted by the teenage son of our then best friends, right. um, I... I remember uh, we were all in therapy. We were all kind of working through this. I remember when uh, sh your older sister uh, officially explained what had happened. And you were alone with her when she told her story. Mm -hmm. And then you had me come over because I was actually someplace else. So you had me come home and you had her tell me. And, and you had warned me to stay calm. Mm -hmm. and, and so in my head, actually, I was afraid that the dog had died. Um, the dog had not died and and she told me what had happened and she hearing a five-year-old describe sex actually as something that she had experienced was absolutely horrifying and I remember thinking okay I just have to stay calm and me telling her I loved her that she didn't do anything wrong mm. I really had no idea what I should have been saying at that point I just knew that I needed to assure her that she had done the right thing in telling us and then I walked outside and I threw up yeah and Shit, really yep. oh, yeah I walked outside and I threw up oh sorry I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm not knew, controlling my response we knew that in the moment we could not express anger or Disappointment right. or, or shock she, she or horror, anything. No. She had no idea, and she and when she had been hiding it for a number of months because she had been threatened by with us. Actually, she had been and threatened so, that we would spank her. Mm -hmm. She had been threatened that he would kill us if she told. She had been threatened that he would do it to you. She had been threatened with all kinds of things, and so she had been holding all of this yeah. need to protect us already, and had been holding it for a very long time. And, and one of the things that in therapy we learned that was, it was really important that we never put her in a position that managing our emotional reactions to what she was revealing, because she was revealing things for the next year, oh, actually. Yeah, yeah, it unfolded yeah. for a year. And as she, she needed to, she had to, she had to, but it would take six months for her to get comfortable to the point where she could say that this happened mm -hmm. and, and ask questions. And when she asked things that I was not prepared to hear, because it turns out you never get comfortable <laughs> hearing these things. When she would ask these things, the, the therapist had told us that our job was to, to control our feelings so that she never felt a responsibility to protect us because she had already c carried that burden and it would shut her down and right. inhibit her healing. Yeah. Yeah. So controlling your own reactions and feelings in response to what your child or someone close to you is sharing, um, don't make it about you. Right. Allow it to be about what they're sharing. Allow it to be about them. You find another safe person at another time to process that with. In our case, that was the therapist. Because yeah. mm -hmm. um, neither of us were really in a place where we could even be that process person for each other in many ways because we were still just kind of shattered yeah. and so it, it was the therapy but controlling those reactions allows your child in particular but really anyone right. around you to know that they don't have to take care of you in the midst of their own pain mm. and that's crucial yeah it's it's so important okay so we are so out of time we, we totally have to wrap up, but we can do maybe like two more points, and I think we'll just have to do this next week. Oh, we'll just have to do it again next week. Yeah, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, have a part that sounds two. sounds good. Have a part that two? sounds good. All right. All right, well, then our next point is give them time and space. <laughs> like we've said before, 
this is gonna take a lot of time, and sometimes change and and processing new things. You can't really do that in the presence of other people, and you need to you need that alone time to do mm-hmm. it yourself. And so don't I mean like don't just be like <laughs> they they have the, the you decide when they're done having the time and space that they need. But you you guys can decide on together. Um, to, yeah together when you're gonna come back and talk about right. it mm-hmm. instead of it just being like well I need time and space to process this right. and they leave and you're like I don't know when we're ever gonna talk about this again because right. that's also not that's not healthy communication because one person's left waiting. Um, so give them they everybody needs time and space. I mean you might even need time and space. So just when someone realizes that, or you can ask them too, because sometimes they may not feel like they can ask for the time the time and space. Mm-hmm. You can be like, well, I'll give you some time to think about it. Um, can we come back to it at like around this time? And then it can be a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I think if this is something new that you're doing is working to remove these blocks in your lines of communication, I uh, recognize that they're going to have to, it's going to take some time for them to trust this new process. Right? Mm-hmm. And you need to give them that time and space as well. But a very practical way in our family that we see giving them time and space uh, manifest. First of all, it's going to, it varies. Your extroverts don't tend to need as much time and space. Um, your verbal processors don't tend to need as much time and space. Your your nonverbal processors uh, need a lot more time yeah. and space. <laughs> and your introverts tend to need a whole lot more time and space. So recognizing that... Until they get more comfortable right. and trusting of the process. Right. And yeah. being okay with that. Like don't that's not a threat. It, it, it don't you don't have to be threatened. However, you still hold them accountable to come back to that right. conversation. Right. Yes. But one of the ways this practically plays out in our home and it's so fascinating to see with our different ages and different personality types. Uh, but when when our kids come home from school, uh, when we pick them up from school, it's not uncommon for us to take 15 minutes uh, kicking the soccer ball around the field behind our school. Uh, when we when we head home, I, and there is no conversation really about what happened at school. It's just, no, we're just kicking the ball around, we're climbing trees, we're, we're being goofy, we're being silly. And then we get in the van, and there's the child who is like, zone out, I am not engaging. I am not communicating. I am barely present and probably won't even hear what's happening around her. There's the child who is going to just chatter on about everything. Everything. Yes. (laughs) Every single thing. And then there's the kid who is kind of maybe, maybe not. She she may want to. But in general, not asking questions about the day until later on in the day uh, tends to work well. We can ask us, so how was school? Thumbs up, you know, up middle down kind of thing uh and they can give us that much but they don't tend to want to engage really until about dinner time yeah well except for the one who's willing to engage about all everything of the time. all the time <laughs> right. well it depends on i mean everybody's different right, right. Yeah. so yeah. everybody's gonna have their own processing right. like rate i guess but if you press the 11 year old right now to engage Ooh. It's just like, what do you want me to say? Right. Like, it just becomes this reaction of she is not in a place. She needs some time and space. She does. And if you yeah. don't give her that time and space, she's just going to be like, what do I have to say for you to leave me alone? Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> she's, she's not there. She can't yeah. do it. Yeah. She can't do it. Shall we oh, we'll do one more? Yeah, okay. do one more. Uh, so when we've already touched on this one too. Do not make it about you. Don't react saying it is a failure of yours. So this is... This is because um, we all have to process what we're what we're you know what we encounter, um, 
And one of the ways that we, we talked just a few minutes ago about um, not reacting um, to it uh, in an emotional way um, when you when you when your when your child shares or someone your your partner or your your friend or your right. coworker or whatever shares something with you that is shocking to you um, or, or angering to you, yeah, yeah um, is uh, to not make you know center yourself in that. Um, but they are sharing that so that so that you can share that experience right. more or less. Um, um, another another thing to avoid then is to then uh, place all the blame on yourself and share that with them as as if that, well, because it puts them in a position where then they um, they uh, feel the need to protect you. Right. right. Well, and I have had times where when they've said, I didn't feel like I could tell you. And I thought, it makes me feel like you think I'm not trustworthy. Turned it around and made it about me. Right. And it, it was something I have really had to work on in part because that was what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And and so I had to kind of process, wait a second. Right. The, uh, <laughs> the way to own it. Well, that was very, I mean, that's very direct. The example you just gave, yeah. which is like, I felt like I couldn't trust you or I couldn't talk to you. Then... Then instead of turning around and being the victim, right? Then the appropriate response is, "Well, I'm sorry that." Oh no, but I would do you it. You didn't feel safe. I would do it even when they they would say, "Come to me," you know, two, two hours after needing to tell me, or two months, and and they would come to me and they would say, "I would have told you this sooner," and um, but I wasn't ready. And then I would oh, be like, I "Oh, see. well, okay, that's okay, because okay. it makes me feel like you can't trust me." And what have I done to make you feel like yeah, you can't yeah, trust me? Yeah, and you know, yeah, yeah. see what the and, kid's done is taken the chance to open up to you, and then you went, uh -huh. "This is about me." Right? And it's like it's no longer about that right. kid needing to process right. what happened; it's about them needing to reassure that it right. wasn't about you, which is completely unfair, and it's going to make lines of communication shut down mm -hmm. it just becomes another barrier yes but also don't make it about you and the sense of what will people say or what will other people think or uh how am i going to manage this mm -hmm. or in any, really any response that's not about the child's own like right like well-being and like the them processing stuff is not the right response. <laughs> right. If well, it's not about them, that isn't the next point. All right, we'll do that one. And then we need to stop. And then we gotta go. And then we gotta go. Okay. So validate and affirm. Don't tell them not to feel a certain way or that it isn't true or that they shouldn't say certain things. And this is one that was so hard for me. I remember actually the book is sitting right over there. When I read uh, Naomi Aldort's uh, Raising Our Children, Raising Ourselves, which is a book that I offer, I recommend with caution. Um, she's a, a, a brilliant writer. I think she's a very in tune mother. I also find that she somehow is perfect, or at least she comes across that way. Scary. So, so I really, she has a lot of really good to say. But she, one of the, this point in particular, she made about when your child says, I'm so stupid. Or I'm so mm. ugly, or I I can't do anything right. That if we go straight to don't say that, or that's no, not true, not. then what we do is we tell them you can't trust your own feelings. Right. And what oh, we do wow. is to uh huh, right? Well, well, yeah, because we see that because we d we did used to do that. You guys did oh, used yeah. to do that, and you can kind of see that um, in some of us older kids. Right. You can see that they. There's, there's like I'm not, not sure trusting their feelings, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and then there's an a, the, this feeling of the, you can't say those things, therefore you have shame that you feel those things, oh, yeah. and so it, mm -hmm. it shuts 
down and it creates barriers of communication. And so we have really had to work on validate and affirm. We're not gonna tell our kids not to feel a certain way. And that is hard because when my child tells me they think they're stupid or they can't do anything right, mm. I totally wanna fix that. I wanna right, say, no, you're not you're stupid. Not stupid. Right. I, what we have learned to say instead is, I am so sorry you feel that way. Can you tell me more about it? Mm -hmm. Hear what it is underlying right. that. Mm -hmm. Hear what underlying need is not being met. Uh, what kind of disappointment in themselves right. they're dealing with, which I get disappointed in myself. It's only natural that the people I love sure. around right. me also experience personal disappointment. But then to ask them, right. would you like to hear how I see this? Right. And then sometimes they say no. Most of the time they say yes. yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I can say I don't see you as stupid. I have never seen you as stupid. This is a really common mistake to make. Mm -hmm. This is lots of people struggle with this. Uh, yeah, I you're, was gonna say it's also your opportunity to share. Like I have felt that exact right, same yeah, exactly. thing. Is it like and not just being like make it all about you, but touching on the fact like no, I felt this way too will make them feel like it's okay for them to feel right. that right. way. Yes, but don't rush to that. Give them right. a space to share. If exactly. You, if you jump straight to I felt that way too, it's immediately Ugh. redirected. It's not about them anymore, sure. and they don't get to finish sharing and opening right. up and and working through their feelings. Let them work and ask them before you jump into the sharing. Right. Can and don't I give your life story. Just be like, right. I can relate to you on yeah. this. Yeah. Mm. I've been there. I have definitely. Uh -huh. And sometimes when your kids hear that you have felt stupid or inadequate or whatever it may be, uh, they're like, wait, you have? Because they can't oh, yeah. imagine their parents ever feeling that way because mm -hmm. they see their parents as, they're just my parents. They've got it all together. They've got, oh, you don't. I, uh, <laughs> which is fair. <laughs> what? No, I used to think you guys were like that. Yeah. We've really worked hard to make sure. And, you know and I, I actually know like some some middle schoolers who thinks I who think I got it all together right. like yes. theater right. or whatever and they're like Lavinia has everything together I'm like no I don't yeah <laughs> yeah so common. don't put me on that pedestal please <laughs> exactly don't put me there I'll be there because when I fall off it's gonna really suck for all of us uh -huh. so let's let's not so yes yeah, so our last point is validate and affirm whatever it is they are willing to share with you yeah. including if it's something that makes you really uncomfortable to hear <sighs> such as that your child thinks they're ugly or your child thinks they're fat oof that one that one is has been one we have heard from our children and I want to immediately say you're not fat as if mm -hmm. being fat is a terrible horrible thing you have fat it doesn't define who you are yeah. as a person same as being skinny doesn't define who you are as a person right but or that they're unlovable because mm -hmm. they can't ha they've struggled to develop relationships during a period of their yep. their life mm -hmm. or that they are going through a time where they're having difficulty treating people well and mm -hmm. they think that makes them a bad person right. and oh, it's hard it is yeah, hard it is hard We've heard all of this yep. and more from our kids. All of it. And some awful things too. Mm -hmm. Don't rush to tell them that it's that they shouldn't feel a certain way or that they shouldn't say certain certain things. Uh, when it, when we shut down, you're not allowed to talk like that. You're not allowed to feel like that. And then we cue shame over having those feelings, over having those thoughts. And that further disconnects. Shame right. is the great disconnector. Mm. All right. Shame sucks. Shame does suck. <laughs> but open lines of communication is awesome. Yes. It rocks. It's, in fact, one of my favorite things that we have 
worked on as a family. We are by no means perfect. Nope. Please don't think no. we are. We have moments that are really kind of horrible and we go, ooh, we still gotta work on this communication thing. I mean, sometimes I don't even tell my parents everything, at least not right away until it's <laughs> right time. But recently, you came to us, uh, initially, you came to us in stages, and it's important to realize that often mm. this is how it unfolds. Right. And you came to us... I did test the waters yeah, a, lot. a lot. Yeah, and you came to us with one thing, and then you came to us a little bit later with something else. And then a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And then just yesterday, actually, just yesterday. you were like, I gotta tell you something. <laughs> and, and it was, you know, yeah. here's this thing, and yeah. it's a really big thing for me. But you actually came to us with, I think I need to go back to therapy. <laughs> that was what you came yeah. to us with. And, and it, was, it was great. We were so honored that you felt comfortable enough to, to tell us, I need to go back to therapy. I had to bite my tongue so that I didn't say, what is it? What do you need to talk to them about? What do you? And instead I was just like, okay, that's great. We can support you in that. You know, I'm really, I'm really thankful for the way you guys handled that. Because <laughs> it didn't, didn't make me, um, I didn't feel like I had to give any information that I didn't want to give at the time. I wasn't ready to give at the time. Right, right. And we have to respect each other's personal process of anything. So yeah. allow the stages to unfold as they unfold. Yep. Okay. This has been We're All Human here. We're your hosts, Jessica, Jeremy, and Lavinia Martin-Weber. We're a family of nine. Three of us are represented here, obviously. And uh, we just love to talk with you about life and love, relationships, uh, whatever it may be. We currently steer away from politics for the most part. But if we should open up that one, we're willing to. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in. You can catch our podcast of this very same show on most podcast platforms, including, sorry, excuse me, including Apple, Spotify, uh, there's a, a Google. Uh, I forgot the rest I of them. Remember. So you can press play and pause on us. Yeah, <laughs> you can totally press. You can play. watch this one hour and or eighteen minutes. Yeah. yeah, listen to it um, in sections because yes. sometimes we make long ones. Yes, we do. Well, thank you all so much. It's been a pleasure, and we'll be back next week to finish this episode. Tips for getting your kids to talk with you at any and every stage. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.